Welcome to the Bridge Audio Podcast, a production of the Bridge Community Church. Everybody, this is our fourth and final week of the series Mission Impossible, our relentless pursuit, our tireless pursuit of perfection. We struggle so hard to be perfect. We think that we've got to be perfect. We think that that God can't use us until we're perfect, and we think that We've got to be perfect because there's other perfect people in this world, and there are no perfect people in this world. And anybody who acts like they're perfect, they're hiding something. It's just a game. And then we talked about that we're all thrown into this lifeboat theory because, and I'll explain to the lifeboat theory in just a second, because what took place in the beginning was that Adam and Eve, the reason why they were on this earth was they had fellowship with God, and they heard one voice, and the voice was God's. And he would say, you are good. You are very good. You are holy. And that's all they knew. And then the moment Eve and Adam ate of the fruit, they became self-aware. Man was never created to be self-conscious. They knew they were naked. Nobody told them they were naked. They just became aware they were naked. And they had to hide. And we've been hiding ever since because we know that we're not good enough. Their spirit, and I, and I try to explain to us that we're made up of three things, body, the flesh, our soul, which is where we think, where we feel, our heart, and then there's the spirit, who we really are. And our spirit, when it was just Adam and Eve before the fall, before they ate of the fruit, their spirit was full of God. And that's why their only point of reference was God. He was the one that told them who they were. And when they took the fruit and they ate it, they became self-aware, and that spirit was dumped of God and was full of poison and sin. And now every one of us that are born into this earth, our spirits are full of sin. And we are separated from God. And we do that also by needing people to tell us that we're okay. Because no longer is it God's assessment that we look for, it's other people's assessment. Enter the lifeboat theory. The lifeboat. You've only got enough room for certain people. Who deserves to stay in there and who doesn't? And we start playing that game when we're in elementary school. And you can walk into a little first grader's class and you can say, okay, tell me who's cool and who's not. And he'll go right down the list. And he'll know exactly or she'll know exactly where she fits in because the game has been established. And we live and we work so hard to hear people say, no, you're good. No, you did great. And that's why we want to look a certain way. And that's why we want to act a certain way. And that's why we want to come off a certain way. Image is so important. All this kind of stuff so that people will assess us correctly because so much of their assessment is how we assess ourselves. We've entered in that big game. Tell me who I am. And even those of us who go, I don't even need anybody to tell me how cool I am because I know I am. It's because you are so far up in the lifeboat game that you don't need anybody else because I just know who I am. Jesus entered into the world when all this was going on at its fullest, just like it is now. And the Pharisees, the religious people, were the ones who held the major place in the lifeboat game. And they loved to tell who was in and who was out. And the reason why they hated Jesus so much is because he emptied the lifeboat game out and said it has nothing to do with that. Because here's what happens. And I don't want you to ever forget it. Because I'm telling you what, the enemy wants you to forget this. That when you and I come to the point 
where the Holy Spirit has worked in our life so much that we realize that we can't do it alone. We can't get to heaven on our own. We can't be made right with God on our own. There is nothing we can do on our own. When we realize that, we understand that God provided a way for us to be right with him, and that's Jesus Christ. And that Jesus, when he lived the perfect life, and he died, he took all the punishment on himself. And when he rose again, he was the Lord of all. He defeated death, the enemy, everybody. Satan, who is the enemy, by the way. And he's king. And God says, through my son, you can have a right relationship with me. Because here's what happens. You say, the Bible says, while we were still sinners, Christ died for us. I understand that there's nothing I can do on my own to be made right with God. And so I come to Jesus... And I accept what he did for me on the cross. Jesus, thank you so much for being who you are, your death, your resurrection. I allow you to take my punishment. I accept that. Forgive me, cleanse me. And now, because of you, Jesus, you have made me right with the Father. Hi, God. Ah, I'm where I'm supposed to be. But somewhere, when we get over here, we think, oh, man, that's right. I'm not perfect. Um, I struggle with pornography. Um, I'm a f- there was other things going on in my life that I'm so ashamed of. Um, you know what? I've got this habit that I need to break. God, I- I'm going to work on it so hard. Uh, I know I'm not what you want me to be yet, but I will be. I will be. And we work so hard to be holy, to achieve holiness, to achieve rightness with God. What a joke. There was nothing I could do on my own to be made right with God, and now there is. That's the way it goes for us. And that causes us, because we, have, we think that we have, when we ask Christ our lives, that there's two paths that we take, and we've talked about this before, but for some of you this might be new, that there's two paths. There's only one path, but there's two in our minds. There's the path of pleasing God, or there's the path of trusting God. And we say, I want to please God so bad. I want to do. I want to do. And so we enter into the room of good intentions as we walk down this path of pleasing God, striving to be all that God wants me to be. I'm going to work on my sin so that I can achieve an intimate relationship with God. And ultimately this causes us to hide and to pretend because we know that we are never good enough. Or we feel maybe on the opposite end of things, we feel great about how we are doing. Either we live in shame and God can't use me, I've got so much going on in my life and I'm never right with God, I don't feel intimate with Him. Or we go, you know what, I'm doing pretty good. I gave up cussing and chewing and going with girls that do and I don't do any of that stuff. I've licked all those habits and God is pretty proud to have me over here with Him. Isn't that right, God? That's right. You can use me, can't you? Yeah, I know you can. There was a guy by the name of Dick Robbins who played basketball for Anderson University, and he struggled with this because, you know what, he became a Christian, and he was all excited about what Christ had done in his life, and he had given up drinking, which was a big struggle in his life, and he'd overcome some major things, and he was feeling pretty righteous. Not the righteousness that comes from God, but the righteousness that comes that we think, because we've assessed ourselves... And we say, I'm doing pretty good. 
and I'd like to tell people about it. And Dick was in that place, and he mentioned to Robin Wood, who's a friend of his on the basketball team, I would like to speak at chapel. I really would, Robin. Pray that that happens for me so that I can tell them my story about what has happened in my life. Dick played basketball. Dick's growing up was horrible. His father was just like Dennis Hopper on Hoosiers. He was a, an alcoholic, and he would publicly do things that were humiliating, and he'd never come to one of Dick's basketball games. And finally, Dick finds out. This is They play on Saturdays. He comes to Robin on a Friday, and he says, Hey, my dad just told me that he's coming to the game. I don't want him to come to the game. He goes, Why not? Because he'll humiliate me. He goes, Oh, he won't do that. And he goes, You don't know my dad. Saturday night came, basketball game. Dick's dad shows up just like Dennis Hopper and Hoosiers. Drunk, belligerent, yelling. The game is hindered. They have to escort him out of the building. And Dick stood there completely humiliated at the experience. Dick is so humiliated that he goes out on Friday night after the basketball game and gets hammered. Major. Drunk off of his keister. Sees Robin Saturday. Comes in. He's looking terrible. Robin goes, what's going on? He goes, you're never going to guess. He said, last night I was so humiliated, I just went out and got hammered like crazy. And he goes, well, you okay? And he goes, yeah, I'm fine. But the kicker is, is that the president of Anderson University asked me to speak this morning. He asked me to speak Tuesday at chapel. What am I going to do? I can't do it. I just went out and loused my life up. I can't talk about what God has done in my life. Look at me. And Robin said, hey, man, you know what? If you were going to get up there and tell them about how great you were and how great you were doing... Nobody'd get any of that. Nobody nobody'd care. He said, But it's not about you, man. It's about what Christ is doing in you. See, Dick had put himself in the place where he was over here because he felt so good about his relationship with God because of how he was growing and changing. But now his sin came in between him and God again and I, I gotta take time off. There's I've 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 sinned. And I'm not in God's graces yet. I've got to work for it. And someday I'll feel good enough about it again. I will listen to the assessment of myself. I will declare myself holy. What a joke. Because, you see, when we come over here with God, God says, you're holy. I don't work to be holy. I am holy. And then I stand side by side with God in an intimate relationship. Instead of my sin in between me and him, it's now out in front of me and him. And him and I work on it together as he makes me into what I am. Dick stood up in front of AU, a humble person, and told them about what Christ had done in his life. And he told them, about the humiliation. He told him about what he did on Friday night. And then he told him, but praise God, I'm clean. It's not about me, it's about him. And you know what? He just felt led to saying, if anybody else wants to know about that God, I want you guys to stand up and I want you to come forward. And they said 100 to 150 people stood up and got right with God. Because you see, it's through our brokenness that God works. 
It's through our lives that Jesus Christ is seen. Think about it. Think of the Bible stories. Think about how God... You know what, guys? The Bible is not full of incredibly perfect people. There's only one perfect person in there, and that's Jesus. The rest of it is people just like you and me who struggled to get it together. Do you get it? And he starts with stories. He gives us stories that start with the lowest common denominator so that there isn't a person in this room or in this world that goes, yeah, but it it doesn't relate to me. I've done too much. God's grace. All I read in here is stories about people who struggle with ice cream sundaes. I, I struggle with this. And I don't even think a God can relate to a person like me. Jesus is with his disciples, and he had just calmed the winds and the waves, and the disciples were kind of embarrassed, and they were also shocked because of the power of Jesus. They had just encountered a big storm, and they began to panic, and Jesus was sleeping, and they went to say, don't you care that we're going to die? Jesus stood up, calmed everything, and they were shocked. Just then, the boat pulls up on shore, not at a luxury condo hotel place, but at one of the scariest places on earth. First of all, they were going over into a land that wasn't theirs. And it was a bunch of people who worshipped an evil god, which there was no god. It was just a made-up thing, but they called him Baal. And they sacrificed all kinds of things to him, especially pigs, in order to keep him happy. And when they got there, they pulled up to a place that was full of cemetery and tombs. And in this place lived one of the most scary creatures that was known to that area. It was a man who was so full of demons that his name was Legion. He was out of control. He lived naked in the tombs, rejected. He was so strong because of the satanic influence in his life, the presence in his life, that he would break the chains that they'd try to chain him down with. He was crazy. You can't imagine the wildest human being you've ever seen. Picture Charles Manson and multiply that. This guy was out of control. And the disciples, I know they had just encountered an, a scary storm and were feeling guilty about not trusting Jesus. And then they land at this place and they're in there going, <laughs> do we have to get out? And the demoniac, they call him the demoniac, Legion. When Legion saw him coming in the distance, Jesus He knew who Jesus was because the demons recognized him. And they cried out to him, What do you want to do with us, O Son of the Most High God? And I want you guys to take note that Jesus didn't go, Is he here? (laughs) Fellas, you got my back now. Does anybody have a paintball gun? Use it if it gets ugly. Hey, buddy. He didn't do any of that. The scary creature runs up and demands, what are you going to do with us, O Son of the Most High God? And he kneels down, not in an act of worship, because he, but because it was an automatic response to being in the presence of God. And Jesus says, come out of the man. And they pleaded with the Son of the God, please don't send us to the abyss, which was a place that's reserved for the day of judgment. Please don't send us there. Send us into that herd of pigs over there. That's what we want us to go, please. And so Jesus gave them permission. And the demons fled, entered into the herd of pigs, and they ran off the cliff and they drowned. 
Now, why would Jesus do that? Because he didn't care about other people? No. It was because he was in a place where those animals were sacred for something that did not exist. And he was showing his ultimate power by messing with sacred things. Sacred things. And it also was a symbol to the man who had just been flushed of the demons that they were all gone. You're clean. Can you imagine that experience? And this is what took place. The herdsmen fled to nearby town and the surrounding countryside, spreading the news as they ran. People rushed out to see what had happened. A crowd soon gathered around Jesus, and they saw the man who had been possessed by the legion of demons. He was sitting there fully clothed and perfectly sane. Can you imagine? He was from this town. It wasn't just some guy that showed up. I don't know who he is. He's crazy. This was a normal person who got into some bad stuff and now was living a life so humiliating. And then there he was, fully clothed and perfectly sane. And the people were all afraid. Then those who had seen what happened told the others about the demon-possessed man and the pigs. And the crowd began pleading with Jesus to go away and to leave them alone. And this is what Jesus says in Mark 5. And I want you to remember this because this is our story. He says this, when Jesus got back into the boat, because he obliged the crowd's wishes, I will leave. The man who had been demon-possessed begged to go too, but Jesus said, no, go home to your friends and tell them what wonderful things the Lord has done for you and how merciful he has been. So the man started off to visit the ten towns of that region and began to tell everyone about the great things Jesus had done for him, and everyone was amazed at what he told them. There's this tendency that you and I have that when we have done something so embarrassing, said something in public, just even something of an embarrassment, we, we just wish I could just move away. I am so humiliated right now, I can't even be in front of the people who know me and are going to laugh at me and make fun of me. Think about what he endured. And he wanted to get away. His thinking was, I need to get away and start new. So I can go and be with people who never knew how I was. And then I can just tell them about the great things of God. Jesus said, no. You go back to the people who know you right here. And you tell them about the great things that Jesus has done. The man could have said, all right. And then the man gripped with fear and shame at how he lived said, i tell you what, I'll, I'll live in the tombs. I've got a pretty good gig out here. Um, I'll stay here, and if people hear the story and they maybe want to come and hear the story, they can come and visit me, and I'll do that. I won't, I won't do anything else. I'll just wait right here for the people. Why? Why? Why live in shame? Because Jesus has made you right. It's not about you. It's not about where you've been. It's about what God has done. Do you guys notice that? That's why I just talk about who I am up here in front of you guys. That I tell you that my marriage struggled and I'm real about it, that it's still at times we get in arguments, that, that I'm not perfect, that I'm a joke, that I call myself a jerk and an idiot. And some people go, don't even, we don't use the word idiot. Well, that's what I am. And I'm real with you guys because I think the worst thing for me to do is to stand up here and act like I've got it all together because you know what? That's not true. Nobody does. 
And if I acted like I had my act all together, then I'm living in the room of good intentions and I have to pretend like I'm good. And then if I reveal to you a little bit of my struggle, I say, you know what, I struggle with people. Ice cream sundaes. That's it. Pray for me. You're going, I don't relate to the guy at all. That makes you think, well, when I come here, I've got to put on a good act. I've got to be fake too because everybody else is here and fake. So I've got to be fake. What a joke. That is not the room of grace. That is not where Jesus is. That has to do with what we think that we've got to do to look good. It's never about us. That's why Paul says in 2 Corinthians 12, 8 through 10, I don't want you to forget these words. Look at this. Paul says, now let me set this up. Paul, the Apostle Paul, was just arguing his position with the people because they didn't believe his credentials as an apostle. So he started to list the things, and he called himself, I was boasting. I was bragging about the things that made me an apostle. And he hated it. And that's why he said, and because of all this, I want you to know that God gave me a thorn in my flesh. And it was so bad, nobody knows what it is. Everybody thinks that maybe it was his eyesight or whatever, but it has not, nobody knows what it was. But it was so bad that he says three different times I begged the Lord to take it away. And each time he said, my gracious favor, Paul, is all you need. My power works best in your weakness. So now I am glad to boast about my weaknesses so that the power of Christ may work through me. Since I know it is all for Christ's good, I am quite content with my weaknesses and with insults and hardships, persecutions and calamities. For when I am weak, then I am strong. Isn't that powerful? Isn't that awesome? We enter into the room of trusting God or the room of grace and we realize that getting my life right with God is not being perfect, but it is living out of who God says I am as I stand intimately with God, with my sin in front of us and in Him. And, I, and Him and I walk together as we deal with my sin. Now, there's a fear of some of us in this room who are saying, boast in our weaknesses? But wait a minute. There's always a fear that when we talk about mercy and grace that we're saying, so go out and just get out of control and live crazy. You know what? Let me tell you something that happens to you and me when we become Christians. When we ask Christ into our life, our spirit, which everything resonates from, it just takes time for what comes in from inside to trickle out into the body. That's why we've got these habits that we're trying to break. It takes time. But our spirit is dumped of sin and poison, and Christ is now in the presence of our heart. He is, we are full of Christ in our spirit, which means we've become a new creation. Which means, which Paul says in Romans, well then because of grace abounding when there's sin, should we just keep on sinning? And Paul says, absolutely not. It's not he's not going, shame on you, absolutely not. Can't even ask that question. What's your deal? He's saying, no, it's, it's impossible for us to keep on sinning because we're a new creation. We now have God inside of us. Is it impossible for us to sin? No. But to live a lifestyle of sin, 
of where we just keep going out and just doing the same thing over and over and over again, it's impossible because you have God inside of you now that is saying, hey, Chris, we need to work on this together. Chris, it's time for this to stop. Chris, you can't talk to your wife that way. Chris, you can't look at other people like that. Chris, you have to do this. Chris, you need to do these things. And instead of me going, you're right, God. It's me and you, and you're so far away, and someday I'll get back with you. He's going, no, 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 I'm right here. You're holy, Chris. Remember, you're holy. You're good. And let's work on this together. We're new creatures, new creation. And if I live by what God says about me, then I get to be honest and real, and I point to God and not me. So many of us are saying, you know what, I don't know what it even means to be used by God. It's about you smelling like Jesus. It's not about you getting a big Bible and standing on a corner and go, you, you smell like the very fires of hell itself. No, that's not even of God. Not even close. It's not you passing out tracks. It's you being who you are. Holy. You are right with God. And when you live real, and when you love and show mercy and grace, the same that is being shown to you, people don't smell you. They smell God. And they say, what is that about you? Man, every time I'm around you, I just, there's something about you. It's because you live in freedom. You're no longer a part of the lifeboat system jockeying for position. You're free. You're real. God loves me. I am holy. And him and I are walking through life together. Isn't that the greatest thing? And he loves you. But you're not perfect. I know I'm not, but I am to him. Jesus has made me perfect. And someday I will be perfect when I get to heaven. Do you want to come with me? Do you want to sample the same God that's in my life? But we say, no, I'm not good enough I don't know when that day will come that I will ever feel good enough to be able to tell people about God or to, to feel good enough about myself. I don't know when God will be able to use me, whatever that looks like. I have no idea. We have all these excuses. Well, look at this guy. His name is David Ring, and this was filmed back in 1995, but he's still going strong. David Ring has cerebral palsy, and we're not talking about God has called you to preach. But whatever excuse you are using and saying, I'm not good enough for God to use to change the world, whatever it is, it's stupid. Look at this. You've been there, you too, huh? And God said, David, I want you to preach. I'd say, oh, me. Lord, I can preach. Lord, I'd talk funny. Lord, people can't understand me. Lord, I held cerebral palsy. Can you imagine me telling God I held cerebral palsy? I got funny and and God said, really? You got to be kidding. <laughs> Tell me something I don't know, big boy. 
And I said, God, if you want me to preach, take it second loose and then call me. He took that second loose. And I, hallelujah, he still called me to preach. And I got on my bed, got my Bible, turned and opened to Philippians 4.13, which said, I can do all things through which to me and people look at me I'm not going to let their shaky body slow me down from doing what God called me to do now look at me I have cerebral palsy now what's your problem You ever wonder why Jesus came the way that he did? We're all struggling down here in this lifeboat theory, jockeying for position to be good enough, assessing ourselves, assessing each other, not listening to God's assessment. doesn't even matter anymore. I want you guys to know that when Christ came, there was a global expectation, not even with just in the Jewish community, but outside the Jewish community. There was a global expectation expectation that something was going to happen. That some Savior was coming. And he was coming from the East. And so there was an expectancy. And, and I know that if, if I was a part of creating the entrance of God into the world through His Son, Jesus Christ, because of where Jesus was coming from, his splendor and majesty that we can't even grip with our minds, and entering into the earth, I'm thinking, we've got to make it nice for him. We've got to do it so that the whole world is shook the day that he gets on this place. It's got to be with gold and lights and video and all kinds of stuff. And I would say, I know that a video hadn't even been invented yet, but let's leap ahead. It's for Christ's birthday. We've got to do it. This is going to be awesome. He didn't do it. Instead, he chose a little girl about 14 years of age, who was betrothed to a man. Betrothed. Different than our engagements. Basically, they were, Mary and Joseph were viewed as man and wife, but they were not allowed to be in bed together for a year. And during this time, she got pregnant. And so it wasn't just not a grand entrance. It was shrouded in controversy and mystery. So much so that Joseph was going to divorce Mary. And then an angel came and said, Joseph, it's okay. This child that's inside of Mary has been conceived from the Holy Spirit. This is the Savior of the world. Mary is carrying Jesus, the Savior of the world, God himself. And when he's born, he's not born in luxury. He's born in a place that there was no room for. And at the inn, probably down below the inn, because things were kind of built up on a rock, the inn was up here, and below the inn was probably a cave, and that's where the livestock stock were kept. And because there was no room there, she gave birth in the barn and laid baby Jesus, the Son of God, God himself, in a trough and wrapped him with swaddling clothes. He did this because he wanted to nip everything from the beginning. 
that there isn't one person on this earth that he won't identify with. Nobody. He did this so that there is no excuse left on this earth from coming to him and then from letting the Son of God rule in our lives because he understands, comprehends everything, no matter where you've been, no matter how dark your life has been, he understands. And the gist of what I'm trying to say today is this, is that if you have come to God through Jesus Christ and you stand over here and you hear him telling you that you are good, that you are holy, then what is the holdup of you going out and changing the world? There's a failure to launch. What is the excuse that you are using that's stopping you from being who you are, holy? What is it you are clinging to that makes you say, someday, I've got so much going on now, if I could just get my life in order, then maybe I could, God could use me. What, who are you listening to? Do you want to keep smelling like yourself? Or you want to smell like God? We're going to take communion this morning and we're going to celebrate the life of Christ and how he left no stone unturned even to the point of dying on a cross for us. He relates to everyone. And he says salvation is for everyone. You can be made right with God through what I've done on the cross. That's why he was born. That's why he came to this earth anyway. And that's why he stood with his disciples on the last night of people who still didn't get it. They were still jockeying for position in the lifeboat that they thought they had created. And they were asking Jesus if they could have more favor than the other person. They were still playing games. And Jesus, in the midst of this, said, Hey, everybody... This bread, can I have your attention? This bread that you guys were eating together, I want you guys, I want to give a new meaning. I want you guys to know that this is my body. And it's going to be broken for you guys. So every time you eat of the bread, I want you to think of that. I want you to remember my death on the cross. And so they took it and they ate it. And then he held up the wine and he said, hey everybody, this is the wine. I know we've been enjoying it. But I want to give it a new meaning, just like I did with the bread. I want this wine to symbolize the blood that's going to be shed for you, for everybody. The sign of the new covenant, that when you come through me, my blood will cover everything you've ever done. And when God looks at you, he will see me. My blood that's going to be spilt for you. Every time you drink of the wine, I want you to remember me. And so this morning, we're going to do that. And I want something to take place. I want it to be that when you come up and you take communion, I want you to visually see yourself entering into the room of grace. And that when you pick up the bread and the juice, I want you to simultaneously drop off your self-consciousness, your excuses, your some days, your struggle to be good enough. And I want you as you take it to hear the words, 
of God. That if you are in Jesus Christ, you are holy. You are good. Now go be selfless and change the world. Let the world smell me in your life. Let's pray. Father, as we get up, would you create a moment for all of us that when we grab that bread and we dip it into the juice, that we would literally feel the baggage falling off of us, our excuses, our some days, our maybes, I'm not good enough. And as we take it, we would thank you and then we would hear you say you are holy. And that, God, we would launch into the world and share the grace and mercy of you. I pray this in the name of Jesus Christ. Amen. Thank you for listening to the Bridge Audio Podcast. For more information, log on to the Bridge. See you